Hey there, everybody. This is Alex O'Donnell, CEO of Umami Labs. We are going to be getting into our weekly community AMA very soon, just uh, giving people a few minutes to hop on. Uh, for those of you who've been with us uh, for quite some time, you probably noticed this is a new time for our AMA. We used to do them on Fridays in the afternoon EST after, after 5 p.m., um, we're going to be trying something a little bit earlier um, in the week and earlier in the day to accommodate our many um, great community members who are in GMT or IST time zones, time zones where the previous AMA time was a little bit late in the day, and we figure Thursday might be a better option than Friday as well. So, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're going to be trying a new time uh, for a new day and time for our community AMA. We're going to be doing the sort of early afternoon EST on Thursday. Our general sense is that this is going to be more convenient for our community as a whole. Obviously, we are, we are by no means a U.S.-centric project, and we know that 5 p.m. EST can be pretty late uh, for, for the rest of you guys and other time zones. Uh, so we're going to be trying this earlier time and focusing on uh, Thursdays instead of Fridays when people are a little bit less busy in the evenings. And with that, uh, we're going to have a pretty short update today. Part of that is because, as I hope you guys are aware, uh, I will be on a pre-recorded AMA with our friends over at GMX. Um, they're doing a new podcast, which is very cool, and they have quite a few in-depth questions for Umami, so I'll be hopping onto that this afternoon, and I think it's going to be a really great, um, great opportunity to get into a little more detail on our strategy for our upcoming V2 vaults for our general uh, business and growth strategy uh, at Umami Labs and how we intend to expand beyond this initial product launch at the end of the quarter. And I think, you know, for those of you who are still just getting to know us, it'll also be great just to learn a little bit more about our, our overall vision and strategy. Um, in terms of, of updates to share with you, I think what's most exciting is we have Prepop, our chief technology officer here. He is co-hosting and he'll have some news to share on progress with respect to the V2 vaults. I can say, you know, I know that the dev team, particularly uh, OX Toki and OX Dapper, our core backend devs have started, um, or are actually more than started, I mean, they are making good progress on the, the base code for our smart contracts for this vault, which is very exciting. And of course, as I think anyone who's been following us knows, we've been putting an enormous amount of effort into really, really rigorous back testing uh, for, our, for our model, which will you know, execute on the strategy once these vaults are deployed. So that's been a major focus. We're really excited about that. Other than that, I think on the business side of things, I do just want to update you guys on a few exciting things. We are currently in the process of doing interviews for potential hires for the growth manager slash head of growth position. The title will depend ultimately on how senior the hire is, but we've had an awesome turnout. Um, we hit our target of, you know, getting at least 50 great applications to review within hours of posting uh, this, this opening on the Umami Labs LinkedIn page. I uh, should follow that if you don't already. Applicant pool is incredibly strong. I don't want to give, you know, too much. I want to tip my hat to sort of who's, who's in the, the front of the pack right now. I pretty much spent personally myself and then Jefferson, my chief of staff, uh, all of, you know, Monday and Tuesday back-to-back -back interviews with candidates and you know we've got people from you know, extremely blue chip 
backgrounds, um, you know, very well-known companies, you know, in senior level growth roles, folks with, you know, Ivy League MBAs and past startup experience, uh, all very interested in Umami. So again, you know, something I'm really proud of personally, I know the rest of the team is, we've built a great organization. Uh, it's really leading in the DeFi space and we've got the applicant pool now to, you know, really reflect that. So very exciting. And of course, you know, that's part of a broader push. This, this hire is part of a broader push ahead of the vault launch to, to really, you know, lay the foundation for very strong and rapid scaling of TVL in our vaults. So, you know, maybe, but just before I hand it off to Prepop, since I'm sure we have some new time and we probably have some new listeners, I just want to recap on some sort of very general but important principles for, for Umami and, and, our, and our overall product and growth strategy. Um, so as I think most of you know, you know, our, our vision here is really to be the leading on-chain DeFi native builder of DeFi products for institutional investors. And that's institutional investors in the U.S. market, in the EU, in you know, the Asian markets, all around the world. Our goal is to really have uh, yield strategies, very you know, rigorously back-tested, carefully audited yield strategies for core crypto assets, USDC, BTC, and ETH. Um, that, you know, because of our DeFi native team and, and, and knowledge of the ecosystem offer, you know, very competitive and, you know, frankly, sort of above market sustainable yields on those core tokens. And we think that that fills, you know, a very big gap right now in the overall ecosystem for what you might call the institutional crypto market. You know, we've got a lot of great organizations, you know, Circle being one of them, obviously Coinbase and a number of uh, crypto banks that are leading in onboarding institutions into the crypto space and custodying their assets and giving them access to different tokens. But mo really, none of those guys are fully linked up yet to the DeFi ecosystem. It's as if, you know, the institutional CFI market and the DeFi, uh, the DeFi ecosystem have developed on separate tracks and there is a missing link between them, which is a real shame because, of course, the whole thesis behind holding any blockchain-based uh, digital asset is, you know, growth of on-chain activity, right? And that's where opportunities to provide liquidity and gather yield can be found. Uh, so somebody needs to bridge that gap and Umami is the one that has identified that market need, is building for it, has you know, a really strong organization of over a dozen full-time staff now on the engineering and business sides, uh, creating that infrastructure. And you know, we're hugely optimistic um, about, about the future potential of that. So we've had you know, this week some very promising business development meetings with you know, great potential partners. A theme that you know, we keep hearing is that, as we predicted, you know, there is this really robust demand for, you know, some place to park, for example, you know, USDC uh, that might be sitting with a crypto bank or, you know, some other custodian uh, for in a way that can get yield, because right now that's really not available uh, for those that are, you know, institutions custodying their assets with CFI platforms. And so we're building for that. And, you know, as I think all of you know, our first suite of products that are built on the very cool GMX platform that tap into yield by providing liquidity to GMX are going to be, we're targeting a launch date at the end of this quarter, Q4 2022. Um, so stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of updates uh, for you guys in the coming months. And again, as I think everyone knows, this first product launch is just the, the first in what will be a series of, of major product launches over the next year. So with that, let me hand things off to Prepop. He'll have a really great 
in-depth update on progress for the upcoming V2 vaults. Sure. Thanks for the intro, DeFi, and thanks for everyone tuning in. Yeah, we're hard at work at both the backtesting modeling simulation and also, as DeFi mentioned, the Solidity implementation for the vaults. The backtesting, uh, for those that, that haven't had a chance to hear any updates, uh, this is one of the major changes we've made, and that's bringing the backtesting modeling simulation in-house with our own devs. And we have had a top consultant that we brought in uh, to help guide uh, this that has a lot of experience uh, in, a, in a trade shop for a, for a top bank in building out um, data sets, modeling, and fine-tuning strategies. And so, yeah, I've got to say, like, uh, this has been a fantastic process, and uh, we're much better off for, for spending uh, this time for the initial setup, uh, uh, doing the groundwork to get up uh, our, our capabilities set up uh, to do this in-house. And so, uh, it essentially is, you know, painstakingly uh, setting up a simulation uh, that will simulate GMX exactly uh, to, you know, the decimal point of uh, how their contracts interact, including, you know, exact Oracle pricing, backup fall, fallback Oracles, uh, including every contract interaction, fee, fee allocation, computation, and uh, to simulate exactly uh, how GMX contracts will operate, but also uh, pulling that data um, on-chain of all the historicals since GMX has been up uh, to date and being able to simulate our strategy uh, with the variables that will make the biggest difference in, for us in both uh, you know, making sure funds are secure throughout the uh, strategy, but also optimizing the utilization, asset utilization, minimizing fees, and making sure we maximize uh, potential. And uh, we've had some really, really interesting discoveries doing this process when we dig into the weeds about uh, ways to optimize things. And so it goes back to saying I'm, I'm very happy we spent all the time uh, to do this. And, uh, you know, with our strategy we've hinted at before, uh, it, it really is, uh, you know, not just a single vault. It's a vault that uh, it uses the strength of, of separating out different assets. And, and by doing that, we're able to gain a lot of advantages and cut a lot of fees that uh, other strategies will not be able to take advantage of. And um, it's, it's much more efficient than just trying to run a delta neutral strategy on its own because of, uh, you know, how we're able to, to handle things. And so uh, purpose, like I said before, the purpose for this backtesting is not only to optimize the strategy, uh, but it's also to give the backtesting metrics, data analytics uh, that, we'll, that we'll publish, uh, you know, publicly, both for our users, people, uh, interested parties, obviously institutional capital is going to be looking at this with a higher level of scrutiny than the average DeFi user uh, in terms of how well it's going to perform, how secure things are. And as always, you know, we strive for transparency. As we get closer to launch, we will definitely be publishing a lot of a lot of statistics, including you know V vault V one vault comparisons and, and hedging costs and and operation compared to uh, standalone strategies and their performance fees yield versus our final uh, our fi final products and, and strategy. And uh, we'll have much more realistic uh, data of you know, expected yield APR for both 
the stable vault, but also the volatile asset vaults uh, that will be going. Uh, that will also be Bitcoin and ETH. Uh, that will also be included in, in our offerings. So uh, it's been a very fantastic step, and um, yeah, happy to answer questions that 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 come on uh, come in from anyone uh, regarding any any part of the the technical aspects of uh, Umami. These products or uh, our web, uh, you know, our our new upcoming front end design relaunch. And uh, yeah, for those that haven't haven't been listening, the new front end will be live at the end of the month, uh, in October. So that's uh, Great Pixel and Clones. They're on this call. They've been making some fantastic product pro- progress on that, and um, love working with those guys. Absolutely wonderful devs. And uh, I think the new front end is really going to blow people away, both in you know looks, appearance, feel, but also user interaction. And, uh, you know, we have this first version coming out in October, and then we have some more surprises that will be coming with the vault launches and end of Q4. Um, and, you know, the emphasis in, in, the, in that is going to be a lot more metrics, personalized metrics, uh, stats, graphs, all wonderful things that DeFi users love to stare at, including myself. So, uh, yeah, very excited for, for that update. And uh, we have... And if people haven't been watching, we have received back two more audits back from Zokio. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was our original plan to get every aspect of deployed Umami products uh, on-chain audited. And um, we have the Umami token and the Marinate contract audited. And the compounded Marinate uh, will be finishing finalizing that report sometime in the next uh, week or two. Uh, we'll be able to share that. Uh, and, uh, you know, great reports. I love working with Zokio, and those uh, reports are viewable on our docs if anyone ever wants to take a peek. But uh, essentially, you know, the, the Umami token marinate and compound will be fully audited by Zokio uh, with, the, with the results shown, as well as these new Vault products. We uh, will be using Zokio too to audit, and we'll publish those results uh, as well. Uh, during the launch, so or right before the launch. Uh, so yeah, so uh, if you haven't haven't got a chance and you're interested, feel free to check those out. But uh, yeah, that's that's the tech updates so uh, far, and and yeah, welcome any questions if if there are any. Yeah, thank you so much, Prepop, and and just a reminder to folks who are listening, if you you can get click on a link right at the top of our Twitter page uh, to our Discord, and we have a channel called AMA Questions. Sometimes people are a little shy about asking questions in the space itself, so you're welcome to type it out in the AMA questions section of our Discord. Uh, but of course, you know, anyone who wants to raise their hand here and ask anything of us, we're happy to happy to chat. So we'll give people a few minutes to ask anything that's top of mind. Iceberg, welcome aboard. Thanks, thanks, GM, you guys. GM, you guys are having a good space and, and, and are quite very interesting. I've been in your Discord for the last couple of months and been reading a little bit and researching you guys a little bit uh, how how you guys will try to bring CFI over so they can talk uh, think about the technical aspect that you are distributing for them and uh, and that's a good quite good idea but I was wondering how how will you combine uh, the 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 big whales that they invest in 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 umami protocol to 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 the umami holders like what is the use case or how does it benefit the umami 
token holders that uh, the protocol is uh, generating more yield from uh, from uh, from uh, big uh, investors that coming that are feeling more safe to cooperate with a legal DeFi protocol. And so I'm just a little bit curious on that side. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. So there's quite a few points that I, I want to make there. So just to to recap um, so that everyone's on the same page, you know, we have a project token, a governance token called Umami uh, that you know is already available on Uniswap um, and there's liquidity elsewhere as well. Uh, and that that is the token that you know is both governance but also the 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 protocol fee token, uh, protocol revenue sharing token for Umami. So holders of the Umami token can stake that to receive a, a cut of protocol revenues denominated in ETH. And, you know, we've had staking live for quite some time, uh, sort of a playful name called uh, Marinate, uh, as well as a compound option. So Marinate, you, you stake your Umami token, you receive protocol revenues in ETH. Uh, right now, we're, we've been pushing, you know, f- almost daily uh, ETH to marinators, and you know those who are especially bullish on Umami and you know see now as a time to accumulate can opt for our compound options, so that ETH is immediately used to market buy uh, more of the Umami token from our Uniswap V3 LP. So that's that is sweet. That is yeah, sweet. That yeah, is and and let me if if it's helpful for you, Iceberg. Let let me get into a little bit more of the granularities here because I, I think there's a few things that are very much worth sharing. So the first is, as I would hope, you know, anyone who's interested in our token knows, we have a hard cap, you know, a max supply of one million Umami tokens, and all, you know, the vast majority of that is already in circulation. Um, you know, there's some additional details. For example, we have uh, about 125,000 Umami tokens are actually effectively burnt in an old staking contract that predates the, the current team's time here. So the, the true max supply is even lower than 1 million. Our circulating supply is above uh, 650,000. When I last checked, uh, Rumpy will have the most up-to-date figures, um, our community moderator on that. So we have this hard cap and then we have this true revenue share, right? And then, you know, the, the thing that's really important, and this goes to the heart of your question, Iceberg, is, you know, so how does onboarding institutional capital help holders? Well, what we're trying to onboard institutional capital into, and right, and this is one of the reasons that we're so comfortable from a compliance perspective with this, is you know, our suite of products that we're launching at the end of Q4. These are going to be distinct vaults. They're separate from the protocol token, the Umami token. They're their own vaults. They'll have their own ERC4626 standard vault tokens, uh, seat tokens for the depositors. And you know, they'll generate uh, you know, what we believe will be highly competitive yield on USDC, on BTC and on ETH, respectively. So those would be the core vault offerings. And, that's you know, of the course... That's the safe assets to... to or more stable assets to work on the protocol, BTC, wrap Bitcoin and ETH and uh, USDC, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, all of our conversations with institutions suggest that really those three tokens are the ones that, you know, major institutional... Uh, institutional capital is comfortable holding, right? They're not necessarily into altcoins. So it's very synergistic because if you're a retail investor or a whale, you know, you can buy the Umami token, you can stake it. And if you believe in what we're building, you know, once these launch, they these vaults collect uh, management fees and performance fees, around 2% management fee, roughly 20% performance fee. And that gets sent to our treasury. And then half of that goes out to our stakers, holders of the Umami token. The other half covers operational expenses. So that's our basic model 
and hopefully that gives you kind of a full view of you know how what we're doing benefits our community. Right, and those payments are in wrapped ETH to the yes. the marinators uh, payments. That's good. That's good. Very good explanation on on, on that side. Uh, but uh, when it comes to you have liquidity pools uh, on the vaults or or device or are there leverages on that liquidity pools because a couple of new uh, uh, DeFi protocols like Gearbox are doing the same, but they are also combining it with leverage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So we'll actually, we think we've done a very nice job here with what we would think of as market segmentation. So, you know, there, the short answer is yes, we will have liquidity for our vault tokens. Um, It's, but it's not, it's not our highest priority. And here's why the, um, the vaults themselves are going to be highly liquid, meaning you can, you deposit into the vault, you get your receipt token, and you can exchange that receipt token to receive your deposited assets pretty much any time. There might be at most a 24-hour wait period uh, to be able to receive your assets. But, uh, you know, essentially it's, it's highly, highly liquid, no long lockup period. And so that reduces kind of the pressure to have liquidity pools. We don't think our institutional users will have much interest in, you know, taking the vault tokens and then swapping them. They'll just withdraw. They're thinking usually about quarterly or monthly liquidity, not needing something in less than that 24-hour waiting period. Uh, But, you know, these we are going to have permissionless, you know, on-chain vaults open up to any retail investor. And we want to accommodate those who want to do, you know, slightly more degen strategies. And so we will also have, you know, liquidity for the vault tokens and options, for example, to add some leverage to, you know, if you think about that USDC vault token, uh, some people might want to put some leverage on that for, for higher yield, given how low the volatility is and, and liquidity pools will help to that end. So that's hopefully that's helpful. Thanks, man. You just answered all my questions. So I appreciate that. Appreciate you for bringing me up and yeah, I wish you all the best luck. You guys are doing a great job and you will you will succeed if you keep up that pace. So Thank hope you. for the best with you guys. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, and actually, just one thing that I'll share that Iceberg's question got me uh, thinking about, too, is if you go on our docs and you go to a section called Governance and Transparency, you'll see a lot of materials that very few DAOs share. Um, you know, obviously, we have a mostly doxed team, which is unique. But beyond that, you know, for those of you who know about our strategy to be able to operate you know, compliantly, we do have an off-chain legal entity uh, in the United States called Umami Labs LLC that employs our team. And just to really underscore, you know, how deep our commitment is to our community and our token holders, you know, that Umami Labs LLC entity makes no profit for itself. So any profits, you know, that the team is, is benefiting from are simply by virtue of them also being token holders and being able to stake and receive the, the ETH payouts tied to protocol revenue. And to, to demonstrate, you know, that we're serious about that, we actually do uh, share monthly our invoices from Umami Labs to Umami Dow. So Umami Labs bills the treasury for the cost of team compensation, but keeps no profit for itself over and above that. So all revenues, all profits go entirely to the, the Dow community and are paid out to the marinators or, or, you know, those holding the compounded Umami to benefit from that. There's no, no outside organization that is, you know, separately profiting in a way that's not aligned with the community. That is straightforward. And I like that kind of money, that kind of uh, insight on, on real yield 
like giving it back to the token holders and 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 making the ecosystem be for the token holders and 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 and, and the distributors and and the devs of course and the people are working and voting and do, making proposals and yeah all that Awesome. Thank you so much, Iceberg, for, for your great questions. Does anyone else uh, want to ask anything of us? Remember, you can also type something into AMA questions on Discord, or you can just raise your hand here. All right, it's JD Tiger. Let's get him up here. Headphones in. Just uh, want to make sure that I don't sound too fuzzy or anything like that. Uh, yeah, no, you're clear. Okay, cool. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit more on the idea of... Um, having these hedge fund style uh, entities getting set up for Imami with the idea of kind of being a custodial uh, to the shares. Yeah. So I was just curious on, obviously we're going to have different vaults, different products, different ways to have these um, institutional capital uh, partners kind of put money into, uh, into these shares that we're going to offer through these entities. So I'm just curious on, if we're going to have multiple types of shares or multiple types of entities or how are the <laughs> shares going to, like, to portion uh, or, or share a portion of each vault? It, uh, obviously, this is super, super early. I'm just curious on, on your planning yeah. for this. It's a really good question. And I'm glad to say that I can offer a bit more in the way of, of definitive clarity around that now than you know perhaps even a couple of weeks ago. Um, here's, here's kind of the key point. We are absolutely committed over the long term. So, you know, probably at some point in 2023 to building out our own infrastructure um, to compliantly on-ramp and custody institutional assets uh, so that, you know, we can basically go to, you know, any institution, U.S., EU, anywhere else and, you know, offer them an opportunity to, you know, invest directly in our vaults, even if they don't have themselves the ability to, you know, move you know, fiat into USDC and bridge to Arbitrum and deposit, right? We, we want to make things as easy and user-friendly as possible. That being said, it's really become very clear that there are a lot of very well-established, um, you know, very reputable third-party digital asset custodians that are in the market presently. Uh, obviously, those you know, who know us know that we have got a good relationship with Circle, and you know, they certainly are capable of you know, performing that function for their clients who use their circle accounts. Um, and then there's many others as well, right? I mean, people can think of examples like Coinbase Prime or Anchorage or Silvergate, uh, the crypto banks. And there's no need, you know, going into this product launch when we're so busy on you know, the, the development side, the product strategy side, uh, to reinvent the wheel when it comes to custody. It, we are in the process of applying for an, a money services business license. And uh, we're creating an entity that will at some point serve as a registered investment advisor in the United States. And so, you know, we'll have those capabilities in time. We already have a circle account for on-ramping. But in the near term, there's a lot of value just strategically and, you know, just partnering with, you know, you, you name it, right? It could be Circle, it could be FB Bank, it could be Anchorage, Silvergate, Copper. These guys already have all the licenses. They have, you know, the ability to custody assets. They have really blue chip uh, infrastructure for you know holding those assets securely and you know very quickly responding to you know client requests to on ramp or off ramp um, you know fiat to crypto uh, or to swap from one token to another they have all that and more to the point they have really really rich rolodexes of existing institutional clients 
meaning there's a huge co-marketing opportunity with those guys. So, you know, goal number one, just to break this down, you know, I would say that the, through the course of, you know, Q4, Q1, 2023, we just want to really, you know, nail down our partnerships with these, you know, great existing um, digital asset custodians, uh, which will give us all the resources we need to compliantly reach the institutional market now, right? And it'll give us a much, you know, real access to a really big network of, you know, potential depositors, you know, through these existing platforms. And, you know, simultaneously, you know, one of our general beliefs and, and you know, strategic principles is we never want to be wholly dependent on any, uh, any one partnership. It's just not good business uh, to do that. So we will, as I said, be developing our own infrastructure so that we can do that ourselves, you know, probably by mid, you know, second half of 2023. But, Near term, really no need to reinvent the wheel. In fact, it's it's beneficial to us to build those foundational relationships um, with platforms that can help us with marketing, biz dev, and distribution. No, I, I really, really appreciate that. Uh, so just to clarify, just make sure I'm understanding correctly. Uh, obviously, there's going to be the direct onboarding to the vault via being in Arbitrum and having the money to just deposit. Yep. Um, and then we also, in the near, near future, I'm going to have custodial partners that can onboard institutional capital. And then we want to eventually have umami entities that can do the exact same thing as well. Am I That's spot on. Right? Yes. And I realized just to be very clear to answer your specific question. So you're saying, you know, are we going to have some complex, you know, uh, set of interrelated hedge fund entities and RIAs, et cetera? Maybe someday, but not right now, because we can just tap into what these custodians already have, right? And you're also absolutely right that we'll have a permissionless option for retail investors, so community members can just you know click on our app and deposit. No, I I love that. The just the last follow up should be you know just a quick one. I mean, it's the idea that you guys are going to have multiple vaults that split this up that allow custodial and then allow for just yeah. retail that are going to be spread out and and kind of separated even though they might be the same product or do you just see first come first serve based on how that works? Great question. Uh, short answer is yes, we'll have multiple. Uh, I can share with you just, you know, just yesterday we had a really fruitful conversation with a major crypto bank, very interested in our USDC yield product. Um, they raised understandable point, you know, we're a US regulated entity. We have to be OFAC compliant. Like are, is, are any funds our clients deposited into your vaults going to be mixed with, you know, retail funds that are going into a permissionless vault, right? And, you know, they obviously that was a, a concern. So I think our, our strategy, you know, without question will involve, you know, sort of a separation between the retail, the retail product and the institutional product. It'll, they'll all have, you know, exposure to the same underlying strategy. Um, but we do think it makes sense to have, you know, a picture something like a second smart contract layer on top of the sort of permissionless base layer and that second layer could be you know will be KYC AML compliant uh, for for institutions and we think this this is an example of how you know our vision here is to be you know simultaneously sort of very forward looking towards the institutional market and you know very you know maximally compliant with everything we do and the jurisdictions we operate in but we don't want to compromise our core you know defi ethos which is about trustlessness permissionlessness um and, you know, an orientation towards retail investors around the world. So by having both of those options, I think it'll really allow us to check both boxes without compromising either. Ah, sweet. Give a really, really good vision uh, for the future. So I really appreciate that. Thank you.
Any other questions, JD Tiger? If not, I'm happy to take additional questions for maybe a couple more minutes, and then we have some have to hop for some meetings that we have scheduled after that. Nope, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Great. Uh, here's something from OX Arrow on our AMA questions channel in Discord. I understand Umami is it can be regulatory compliant. However, could the token still be viewed as a security, which would cause issues with Gary and Co. with the SEC? How can those two mutually exist in the same umbrella organization? Well. Key question is, or, or key point there is that they actually don't exist under the same umbrella organization. So the tokens are a, uh, they're the, the governance instrument for Umami DAO, which is represented off chain by a Cayman Islands entity called Umami DAO Foundation. Um, think about the Ethereum Foundation, right? Sort of a nonprofit uh, entity that is governed by the on chain community holders, uh, Umami holders. And you know, Umami Labs is is just a off-chain tech company, and again, all all it does, you know, is it's not the equity in Umami Labs is not a security. There's no economic value in that. Um, it really just exists to, you know, in a compliant way, employ a team, and it invoices the Dow Treasury monthly and and shares those invoices uh, transparently in our public docs, which you can check out. So there's no overlap between those two entities. Um, you know, that being said, is, is, is there stuff that we're still kind of figuring out and making sense of in terms of how to best position ourselves? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's a fact that many on the team, uh, whether they're based in the U.S. or elsewhere, are also uh, holders of the token, right? And, you know, we will never market the Umami token in the United States uh, to avoid any issues with security laws. But we're looking into kind of best strategies just just for the team so that they, you know, can be, you know, given some upside in, in the DAO protocol they're building without um, any any concerns from a regulatory perspective. And, and we'll continue to look at that. We've, we're having quite a few productive conversations in that area. But that really doesn't affect the community. All right. Well, hey, thank you, everyone, for listening in. Uh, as I said, beginning of this call, we're going to be switching to this earlier, you know, earlier in the day and on Thursdays instead of Fridays, because we think that'll be more convenient for most of you guys. Um, and with that, we will chat next week. Thanks so much. Thank you, Prepop, for the great updates on the product development.